0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here. Those of you in the room, those of you joining us online at this uh, this unusual time for us, it seems like. some Someone was just saying as they walked in, it said, it feels so weird walking in this late, because uh, they usually come at 9, and it's 1030. Uh, so thank you all for accommodating our schedule today and, and letting everybody sleep in just a little bit. Um, Happy New Year to you all. I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, i just curious, how many of you stayed up uh, at least to see the ball drop in New York. Anybody stay up that late? Anybody stay up all the way to midnight and like to wish a happy, a happy new year? No? Okay, a couple of us. Yeah, made it, made it all the way to midnight. And uh, yeah, so happy new year. Um, we are, we're glad that you're here today. we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And with you. Thank you. Um, We believe that's true, that the Lord is with us. Just like he was with us in 2022 and helped us to get through that year, he's with us today and is going to help us with whatever challenges 2023 might bring. Let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you for inviting us into this time, into this place where we get to uh, connect with each other and connect with you. Uh, to listen for you speaking through the scriptures, to to sing to you and pray to you, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. In in all that we get to do during this hour, God, I pray that you would help us to connect with you, that we'd be aware of your presence here with us. Emmanuel, God with us, as we've just been celebrating in this Christmas season. uh, God, you are here with us now. So please, God, would you take our, our hurts, our fears, our pain, our grief, would you take our joy, our thanks, our praise, would you take all that we bring with us into this moment, and would you, uh, would you receive it and accept it? Would you, would you send something back our way that we need today? Uh, would, you, would you send us your healing, send us your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your strength, your wisdom, your peace, your power? Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us here. We pray this uh, in the name of your son, Jesus. It's because of him that we know you are with us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, If you're interested, if you're able, let's stand and let's sing as we begin.
1: compare Say how rich like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see 'twas grace that taught The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine. shout your praise
2: In this new year, let us be mindful that for everything there is a season and a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new year. We thank you that as we gather here this morning, we worship you as we usher in this new time for all of us. Lord, we thank you for bringing us through 2022. Boy, Lord, there were days, they, it was rough. It was a rough one for many of us. But Lord, in the midst of all of that, you have so richly blessed us with so much. We thank you, Father, for the, the abundance of those blessings that you poured out on us, even amidst the trials and the troubles and the stuff of life that we have all walked through in this last year. Lord, as we go into this next year, walk with us in a new and special way, in a a new and powerful way, Lord. May we experience you this year in a way we never have before, Lord. We thank you again for bringing us here. We thank you for gathering us together, for inviting us into your presence this morning. Be with us this morning. Be with Pastor Rich as he brings your word for us this morning. We know it's not by accident. We know that that you have something for us. So open our ears and open our hearts to really hear, to really listen, and to go away from this place changed because we have met with you. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you and we give you all the glory because you, you alone are worthy. And we pray all these things in your name and according to your will. Amen and amen. And now, the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a moment or two and pass the peace amongst yourselves as you are comfortable.
0: I got a few announcements to make here this morning before we dive into today's message, and uh, thank you again for adjusting your schedules with us over uh, Christmas and New Year's. Uh, It was good to see so many of you with us um, last week on Christmas Day and on Christmas Eve the night before. Um, If if you missed it, uh, you can catch it online, I guess. Uh, Thank you for joining us uh, today too, uh, whenever today is for you. Maybe it's not New Year's Day when you're joining us, but it is for us right here and. um, if you're with us, especially online, we would love for you to, to go online and let us know you're with us. Leave us a note in the comments or something, uh, or go to livinghope.info slash connect and fill out one of those little uh, digital connect cards. Let us know how we can pray for you or thank God with you or anything like that. And uh, of course you can do it too. You've got your smartphones out and you can, you can do that, or you can grab one of those little cards in the back and jot your note on it and drop it in the offering box. And if you're giving today, you can drop that in the box as well, or you can give online, uh, that works. Um, Speaking of giving, today is your last chance if you want to give to the Habitat build uh, for this year, um, so you can go to livinghope.info slash Habitat and give online, or you can uh, just drop something in the box, or right? Habitat on the envelope, that works too, so but um, today being, usually we do that through the end of the year, well the end of the year was just like last night, so you know, uh, that's fine, you can, you can give this morning, you know, no big deal, um, so if you want to help with that, that's great, I think we've got uh, just over $5,600 uh, that have been given so far, so if you want to, Uh, to give, to help with that. And if you want to continue to help build, it's not done yet. So if you want to help build, you can go to that livinghope.info slash habitat. You can click the link to the Porter County Habitat site and let them know you'd like to help build it. And uh, they'd be happy to have you come out some Saturday to help with that. Um, and that warm-a-home tree is still out in the lobby. They're going to come pick that up this week, the folks from First Contact. So if you want to make a gift to First Contact to keep your neighbors warm this winter, you can do that. Uh, First Contact funnels resources from lots of different churches, and they work with the trustee to make sure that people uh, can stay in their homes or can get their medication or pay their utilities, that sort of thing. Uh, so if you want to make a gift to First Contact, you can grab an envelope off the tree and give that. It is still Christmas. Today's, what, the, I guess the eighth day of Christmas, right? I, don't, I have no idea what you get on the eighth day of Christmas, though. Anybody real quick do the song in their head? Maids milking, milking. all right, okay. Maids milking, great. I hope you all got your eight maids milking this morning, or whatever that means. Um, So yeah, it is still Christmas though, so we don't mind that we've still got some of the Christmas decorations up, Uh, although they all will go away this week, and if you want one of these poinsettias, I was told this morning, you better take it, all right? So after the service, take a poinsettia, because otherwise they go in the garbage, and we'd hate to just throw them away. So if you want one of these poinsettias, I think... I don't know, I think you're supposed to be able to keep them alive and, and have them good for next year. I see a couple of you nodding that know these things, I don't know, uh, I just admire plants, I don't grow them. So uh, if you want one of these points, that is, feel free to take them. And uh, there was something else I was gonna let you know about on the back here, um, and that is, uh, some of you know that we, for the, that big storm that hit us during the, the right around Christmas day, um, we served as an emergency overnight warming center uh, for folks to come in out of the cold. Um, Some of you know, and maybe you saw the article in the Times uh, that Jerry Davich wrote, uh, that typically we leave our outer doors unlocked and people can sleep in there uh, or they can just escape the weather. Um, But during that storm, we actually had people here overnight, made sure they could come in and sleep inside, uh, spread out, not just be crammed into that little entryway. And um, we're going to try to do that for the rest of the winter. So we've have, some of you guys know, we have folks in our church who are homeless. We have uh, neighbors who are homeless, people living in vehicles, people who are camping, and man, winter is rough. And so um, there are great shelter programs in our community. Uh, Most of them are either full or, um, you know, there are still some folks who don't fit into any of those existing programs. There had been a, uh, you know, there's that rotating shelter that goes from church to church for men. Well, not every man fits into their program for one reason or another, and there isn't one of those for women. We used to be a part of one years ago. Uh, I was just looking back this week, started in 2011, and I think it was around 2016 that uh, the ladies, instead of going from church to church, started meeting up at uh, housing opportunities and just living in some apartments there, and then with COVID, that all kind of fell apart, and uh, so there isn't a place right now at night if a woman is freezing outside Just a place for her to go, to just escape the cold overnight. So it's not a full-on shelter thing. We don't plan to serve dinner or any of those kind of things. It's just from 8 p.m. to 7 a.m. And we're going to start this Wednesday. And our plan is to do it every night until the overnight temperatures quit being below freezing. So probably through all of January and all of February and maybe into March. uh, We'll kind of see how far that goes. Uh, But we will need some help because we do need to have somebody here that stays awake overnight. That's the only way the city gives their blessing to this kind of thing. Uh, we're, we're stretching the, uh, the zoning stuff past its breaking point by doing this, but they recognize that they don't want their citizens to freeze to death uh, outside. So uh, as long as we have somebody awake, they call it being on fire watch, um, but as long as we have somebody awake through the night, uh, they're okay. So uh, if you would like to come and serve, uh, you could do the whole night or you could do half the night. Uh, we're going to chop it in half and uh, we're going to have one or two volunteers here the whole time. Um, and when we did it this last week for those handful of nights, didn't have any issues. When we have served before with New Creation hosted men here over the summer, haven't had any issues. When we've worked with Family Promise and had families here for a week at a time, haven't had any issues. Um, now I know some of you are thinking, oh, then the other shoe's about to drop. You're due, you know, <laughs> for some issues. Uh, <clears throat> maybe. Uh, or maybe... Uh, most of our neighbors are just grateful to have a place to escape the cold and, uh, and are hesitant to, to cause problems because so, uh, they know if they cause problems that they'll, they'll be asked to leave. So if you would like to help with that um, or if you just have questions about that, grab me after the service. I'd love to talk with you about it. And, uh, and again, we're going to be starting that this Wednesday night. I'm so grateful that you guys are a church that cares about your neighbors and um, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of this. So thank you. Uh, Thank you for letting us do this. Uh, All right, so today we are starting this series that is gonna, um, well this series, this particular series in the book of Genesis is gonna take us through the whole month of January. And our plan this year in 2023 is to help you dig into the Bible a little bit deeper than perhaps you normally would. You know, normally on a Sunday we have a good bit of scripture that we work our way through. But sometimes it can seem haphazard, I suppose, right? I mean, we might each Sunday it might be a different book of the Bible that you're in or might have scriptures from several different books of the Bible that we're looking at around a particular theme or topic or that sort of thing. And that's good. It's good to see the ways that the the Bible kind of fits together and the different parts of it fit together. Uh, But what we're going to do this year, and it's it's similar to things we've done about every four years. We've done some kind of a year-long through-the-Bible emphasis. And so this year, the way we're doing it is like we did eight years ago. Each month, we'll have a different book of the Bible. January is Genesis, right? Next month, we'll be looking at Exodus. Now, there are 66 books of the Bible, only 12 months of the year. We're not going to hit them all, all right? Um, So we're going to have to be selective. Uh, But what we've decided to do this year is for the first five months, we're going to hit the foundational five books of the Torah, the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch, whatever label you're going to put on that. It's the core of the Hebrew scriptures, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books. And if you've ever done one of those reading through the Bible things before, you know that partway through Exodus and getting into Leviticus, it's like, okay, what does this have to do with me? All right. Uh, why do I have to read about all these laws and about the tabernacle and all this stuff? I mean, it's interesting that I had to be this big and this wide and decorated so and so. But really, is there anything in this that I'm supposed to be getting something from? There is. And so we're going to see what that is. We're going to get to discover together what there is in the rest of the Torah, besides the the interesting stories of Genesis that we're going to look at this month, we're going to discover why these are so foundational and how they connect with the rest of the story of Scripture, all right? And then we'll look at one of the prophets and we'll look at uh, a book from the writings and and then we'll get to the New Testament with a gospel and probably the book of Acts and a couple of the letters before we end the year in Revelation, all right? Uh, So that you have something to look forward to. If Revelation's your your thing, you're like, whew, all right. Month of December. You know, be looking forward to that one. So, but this month, Genesis, all right? It's, the, it's what starts the whole thing off. And, uh, you know, what, how things start is kind of important, right? Um, some of you probably have, have, you know, over the Christmas break, if you had much of a break, you had a chance to sit down and watch a movie or something like that. And uh, maybe you just are streaming something on, on TV or maybe you even went to the movie theater. You're less likely to do this at the theater because you've paid your money and you've traveled and you're sitting there. But some of you have done it. You know, we're like three minutes in, five minutes in, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to enjoy this, you know. And if you're at home, it's a pretty easy thing, to just hit that little back button or something and like, you know, stop that, uh, eject that DVD, switch over to something else, you know, uh, let's find something more interesting to watch. If it, the movie's is a little tougher, because, you know, you paid your money, you've already got the popcorn, you're sitting there like, well, let's see if it gets better, you know. Uh, how things begin is pretty important. It sets the stage for everything that follows, and the Bible's no different. The book of Genesis sets the tone, sets the stage for the entire story of Scripture. And, um, and there is a story to the Bible. A story of God, of a God who creates all that is and who loves the people that he has created. Of a God who, who cares so deeply for us that even though we are flawed and we show that really early on, even though we fail time and time again, God doesn't give up on us but can p- persists and continues to love us. And God is faithful even when we are faithless. It's a beautiful story that carries through all 66 books of the Bible. And, and we're going to see how it starts today. And uh, maybe, you've, maybe you've read this way too many times. And, uh, and there's lots of controversy, I suppose, about how this book begins. Uh, because it tells us the, the creation story, right? And, so, and the Christians disagree about this story. You know, does, this, does this mean that God created the, the whole universe in like six days? Uh, not that many thousands of years ago? Or is this meant to be read in a different way? Um, and there are Christians who can, you know, be at each other's throats sometimes over disagreements about how we're supposed to understand these opening chapters of the Bible. Uh, but let's just, let's just read part of it, okay? Here's, here's how the story begins. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Once you get, get past the little, like, uh, whatever little thing that the people who wrote your Bible put in there, the very first, first words of Scripture. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, I've heard pastors preach whole sermons just on those two verses because there's a lot there, right? Um, God is the creator of all that is uh, the heavens and the earth, or some translations say the sky and the land. It's basically saying everything that we see, everything that we know, you know, this was. All created by God. And as God creates, the, the, the beginning of it is, it says the earth was formless and empty. It had, no, it had no shape to it. There was no structure to it. It was formless and it was, and it was empty. There was nothing filling. There was no structure and nothing to fill that, that structure. All there was was these chaotic waters, the, the deep the waters that the spirit of god was hovering over or some translations say the wind a wind from god because the same hebrew word is translated is used for spirit or wind or breath uh, and just context tells you which word it's supposed to be what is intended by that um, but god is present right at the beginning with this chaotic waters verse 3 says and god said let there be light and there was light god saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now that pattern continues for five more days. There was God says something, something happens. There was evening, there was morning. The second day, God says something happens. There's third day. Do any of you remember your lessons from when you were a kid? Uh, or, and, or maybe you've read more recently any of you remember what happens on the second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth days anybody want to give it a shot second day anybody remember what what God does I remember what happened on the first day. well the first day is the one we just read yeah it, it <laughs> creates light and separates it from the darkness yeah like the 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 oh you're skipping ahead to Genesis chapter 6 we'll, we'll get there not today but we'll get there yeah Day, day two, anybody remember? Well, you know because you teach little kids for, for decades now. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's over here saying, Separated the waters, waters above, from waters below. So here, here's what it says uh, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And it was evening and there was morning the second day. So just like God separates light from darkness to create day and night, God separates waters above from waters below, and in between is this vault, or I remember growing up, the translation said firmament. I didn't know what a firmament was. Apparently, it's, it's like a vault or a dome, and this is, well, let's, let's keep going. Anybody remember third day, what happens? Not yet. That's the third chapter. Yeah, Genesis chapter 3. Third, third day, you're getting ahead of us again, Diane. Anybody remember what the, you're cheating, you're looking at it, what? It's dry, land. dry land appears, yeah. So the third, then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, this is still day three. Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So God spends the first three days creating a structure. He separates light from darkness. He separates waters above from waters below. He separates waters from Dry ground. He pulls. It's like he pulls the waters aside so dry ground can can appear. And this this speaks to. Uh, uh, I was just reading. Oh, uh, well, yesterday actually. Um, some of you might uh, might have caught the news that uh, the the previous pope uh, Pope Benedict passed away. Um, it's an unusual situation for there to be two popes at the same time. Usually, a pope serves until they die, and then the Roman Catholic Church has to pick a new pope, and there's a whole process, and there's smoke and all the whole thing. But in Pope Benedict's case, he saw that he was aging and said, you know what, you guys need somebody a little more fit, and so I'm going to step aside and let you select a new pope while he was still alive. And so we've had Pope Francis, I say we like the world, we're not Roman Catholic, so it's not like he can tell us what to do or anything, but, um, but so Pope Benedict uh, just passed away, and Pope Benedict talked about uh, this um, in some of his writings, talked about Genesis, and I know we usually think of the Roman Catholics as being real conservative on lots of things, uh, but on this, he was, I mean, as a student of the Bible, he said, look, the Bible doesn't teach a consistent, like, cosmology, like, structure of how the world is laid out, but throughout the Bible, it mentions several different ones. And, uh, and it's kind of like, as God is inspiring the biblical authors, um, he allows them to pick up their ideas about how the world is pieced together, and then just says, oh, okay, well, here's If that's how you picture the world, well, I'm the one who created it, you know. And so we seem to have that here in Genesis. Uh, I just was seeing a drawing. Oh, I forgot to put it in there so you could see it on the screen. Uh, I just saw a drawing uh, this past week of kind of the way the the Earth and the cosmos looks to to folks uh, described in Genesis 1. It's it's, it's what you might have seen on some of your flat Earth friends, uh, you know, posts on Facebook. Um, Because the picture is of this vast, chaotic water. It's kind of like we just described. With like a dome over it, so there's waters above, and that dome has doorways and windows in it that get mentioned in different places of scripture. How God opens the windows of heaven and uh, and lets the rain come through, or opens the 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 springs of the deep and kind of lets some of the deep come come up, and and so the earth is on these pillars, and uh, that sink down into the chaotic deep, and above that sky is you know is the waters above that occasionally fall on us as rain, and beyond that is is the heavens, the heaven of heavens where God resides. They call it this three-tiered universe. There was very common perception of how the world was created, or how the world was structured back then, a cos- cosmology, um, the way the cosmos fit together. And so out there then are, are stars and all the rest. Ooh, which gets us into the rest. So Genesis 1 through 3 talks about the structure. The earth was formless and empty. Now it has some form, but it's still empty. So the next day... Day four, and God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God, sent them, God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and that was morning, the fourth day. So now he's starting to fill the spaces that he's created. Right? So light and darkness have been separated, and now light is marked by the, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, the light and dark. And then God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which, with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. Did I skip something there? No, okay. Water, birds. Okay, yeah. So we've got the separated. There's the water below, the water above. Okay, well, there's this vault of sky. Now it's full of birds. There's this water below that's now full of sea creatures. That's the fifth day. And then we get to what I've got in your notes. Get back to that on the sixth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So interesting bits there, right? I mean, God creates this structure and and then he fills it. it. The earth was It starts out with these chaotic waters, it's formless, it's empty. God gives the universe form, and he fills it with life. Of course, he's not done, right? So then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They'll be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Uh, Genesis 1, and getting into a little bit into chapter 2 there, uh, gives us that creation week um, and the idea, the, the very fact that it fits into, like, a weak structure uh, tells us something about, like, what this is doing, right? It's setting a pattern for us. We know that as the story continues, God, God gives his people in one of the Ten Commandments. says, hey, remember that Sabbath day, that, that seventh day, to keep it holy, to rest. And even says, you know, because God created everything on those six days. There were six days for work, and there's one day for rest. And so God sets that pattern for us right from the beginning of the book. He, he creates some holy space in our calendars. And I hope that we can find a way to make that happen this year. If that's something that you struggle with, I think it's something all of us struggle with, <laughs> to try to to try to try keep our work and our rest, to have a, a little bit of separation there and to not, not allow work to just creep into everything. Or, or maybe your struggle's the other way and, and rest creeps into everything, um, depending on your life situation, right? Um, but to have times where you apply yourself and you're doing the work that God has given you to do and other times where you're just... Not, we're just resting. We're just remembering that you know what I, I don't run this world, God does, and He's given me work to do, but He also gives me time to rest and, and a chance to to recuperate and and be restored, to enjoy the, the blessings of rest that God has given, and so He does that with time, creates kind of some holy space in our calendars, and and it seems to be that what He's doing with all of creation is creating a, a holy place where God wants to live in our midst, where God wants to be with us. And that's what's interesting about this whole seven pattern. Uh, there's some of it that maybe you've, maybe you've done this before, maybe you've gone through, uh, or you've had someone point this out before, or you've gone through and said, you know, he keeps repeating these things, right? We, we already know he repeats the evening, in the morning, the second day, third day, you know, so we got seven days. But then that, uh, where every now and then he says, oh, and God saw that it was good, he says that seven times. Strangely, it doesn't always line up with the seven days, but anyway, he says that seven times. If you're reading this in the original Hebrew, that which none of us are, so you have to trust somebody else, you know, that this is true, or you have to go grab a Hebrew Bible somewhere, or a Jewish friend who can read the, their scriptures in the in Hebrew language, the first verse has seven words in it. Second verse has 14 words in it. The, the heavens and the earth get mentioned 21 times each, so seven times three. So there's like repeating patterns of seven throughout this thing. Uh, God God, The name of God or the word God gets repeated 35 times, seven times five. So the author of this is putting this together in a way to say like, hey, there's something going on here. This isn't just like a newspaper reporter saying, oh, and look, now God is separating light from darkness. You know, um, there's, a, there's a structure to this that is, is cluing us in that there's, there's more going on here than just reporting what took place. Um, and there have been quite a few folks that have said, oh, what, what it seems to be doing... And perhaps what the earliest audience would have perceived in this, um, because the earliest audience of this, who, who, who read this first before us? right? Um, the, the first five books are often called the, the books of Moses. Right? Moses is a central character. He, uh, he gives pe- the people the law. God speaks to Moses on the mountain in the book of Exodus, right? And he gives them the commands. And much of the rest of the Torah is, is what God has spoken to Moses. And then Moses speaks to the people. Uh, and so some have said, well, that's where this Genesis account comes from as well, that Moses gave it to the people, uh, that he was the source for this. It was revealed to him by God. Uh, others have looked at it and said, well, it appears that there are several different sources, that maybe Moses knit together several sources, or someone at some point uh, put, pulled together several different stories and pulled them together. When we look at chapter 2, we can see it tells a story in a very different, different way. Um, but the, the earliest audience of this perhaps was the people of Israel as they're leaving Egypt in the Exodus on their way to the promised land and they've got this tabernacle, this tent, this holy tent where they meet with God, where God meets with them and his presence is, is there. And the tabernacle was kind of dedicated, put together in a seven-day ceremony. Um, there were seven days to prepare this tabernacle to be this place where God would meet with human beings. And that wasn't just true for the people of Israel. Other cultures in that day, when they would create a temple, often there was a seven-day ceremony ceremony of putting the temple together and preparing it to be a place where their God could meet with them. Uh, When they eventually build an actual temple building, a permanent place, much later in the story, it takes them seven years, is how the story put it, seven years it takes them to build this magnificent temple. And so several different Bible scholars have looked at this and said, it appears that God actually does want to live among us. And that the way this story is told is telling us, is trying to tell us this, that God is preparing a place where he can live among us, where, where human beings and God can, can live together. And um, there's a great, when it, when it comes to our role in this, being made in his image, um, there's a great, there are like several great Bible project videos about this stuff. I, uh, there's one on the image of God. It's like five minutes long. We're gonna watch it. Then I'm gonna just kind of sum up and we're gonna celebrate communion. We're gonna go, all right? Five minute Bible project video. Go for it. <laughs>
3: So if you lived in ancient Bible times, odds are you lived under the authority of a king.
0: And many
4: of these kings claimed that they were gods, and they would even call themselves the image of God.
3: Meaning they had authority to tell people what to do, order things to be made.
4: Yeah, they got to define good and evil. And these kings would often make statues of themselves, which in Hebrew were called Selim, often translated as idol or image.
3: But for Israel, they didn't view their kings as the God. In fact, they were never supposed to even make images of God.
4: That's exactly right. And that was really unique for that time and culture. This is rooted, first of all, in Israel's belief that you can't reduce the Creator God down to any one thing in creation. But there's another reason people aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of Himself.
3: When did He do that?
4: Let's go to page one of the Bible, and the first person we meet there is God. He's the one with authority over all creation. He speaks and creation obeys, and he defines what is good and not good. In other words, he alone is king. But then surprisingly, as the pinnacle of all of God's creative work, he makes humans, and he calls all of them the image of God.
3: Wait, so he gives all humans the authority to rule.
4: Exactly, that's what he goes on to say. He tells the humans to subdue the earth and to rule it. And so this task that once belonged only to elite kings is here in the Bible, the task of every human being. This was a revolutionary statement in its day because all humans are being called to rule and to participate in the human project. So what does this mean?
3: I mean, how are we all supposed
4: to rule? So the picture we get in Genesis is gardening. Gardening? Yes gardening so they rule the earth by cultivating it by harnessing all of the earth's raw potential and then making something more and new out of it
3: so growing food for each other
4: yes but that also includes growing families then which become neighborhoods and then they create communities where people are going to work and take care of each other and build businesses and cities that will expand to new places and so on so ruling is really the day-to-day acts of our work and creativity. Yes, we take the world somewhere. This is humanity's divine and sacred task.
3: Yeah, and this all sounds really nice. And humans have designed some pretty great things. But just as often we create things that cause a lot of
4: suffering and a lot of injustice. So maybe we shouldn't actually be ruling. Yeah, so the Bible addresses this. In Genesis, what happens is that God gives humans a choice about how they're going to rule. So are they going to use their authority for the benefit of others, which is God's definition of good, or are they going to turn away and define good and evil for themselves and use their authority for self-advantage?
3: And in the story, they choose to define good and evil on their own terms.
4: And so this is the Bible's depiction of the human condition. So sometimes we pull off amazingly good stuff, but just as often, despite our best intentions, we act selfishly and we create evil in the world.
3: And so we're stuck as mediocre rulers making a mess of things.
4: But that's not the end of the story. So the Bible goes on and it makes this claim that all of this was resolved when God bound himself to humanity through Jesus. And he showed us what it looks like to truly rule as a human. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus ruled by serving and by seeking the best for others, by putting himself underneath them and loving not just his friends, but also his enemies.
3: And that's not a typical way to rule.
4: And not only that, Jesus confronted the consequences of all of the evil and the death that we have created by our messed up ways of ruling. And he takes it. I mean, he lets it kill him. And so, when the New Testament writers looked back to Jesus' resurrection, they see a whole new future opening up for all humanity.
3: Jesus is a new way to be human.
4: Yeah, that's why they called Jesus the image of God, or the new human. And not only that, they also believe that Jesus' divine life and power is now available to heal and to transform us to become our life and power. And this sounds really nice, but what does it really look like? So... Practically, the Apostle Paul said it looks like people being filled by Jesus' own presence and spirit, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and integrity and gentleness and self-control. He says, this is the new humanity that God wants to create in us so that we become people in whom God's image is being restored, people who will move the human project forward. And that's actually how the story of the Bible ends. It's a renewed world where God is on his throne and his servants are all around him, but they're the ones ruling over this new world, taking it into new uncharted territory with Jesus as their healer and their guide.
0: And the Bible Project folks do some good stuff. And uh, I would encourage you, go to their website, BibleProject.com. At, with this new year, I know some of you have said, hey, I want to dig deeper into the Bible. Or I want to read the Bible every day. You can get that, uh, that Bible app on your phone, the Version Bible app. And they've got all kinds of reading plans on there. Bible Project has several. Where every day, they'll give you a little something to read, a little bit of commentary on it. Sometimes they'll point you toward one of their videos to help you understand one of the books of the Bible. And that's what I gave you on your table. Sorry, I meant to mention that earlier. If you want to color that, feel free or just take it home. Uh, that's uh, their map of Genesis. So this month, we'll be dig- digging into Genesis. I would encourage you to read that book, all right? It might take you a couple of weeks, or you might read it this afternoon. Some of you are like, really, I think Stacy, how many books have you finished, Stacey, over this break so far? Like four, five? She's been like a reading machine. Um, if you just sat down and read Genesis, you could read it you know, like today if you felt like it. If you weren't watching you know, bowl games or whatever else, it might be going on. Um, <clears throat> so I would encourage you, read the book of Genesis, uh, and we'll be talking about different parts of it for these next few weeks. I don't have time to get into the second creation story that we have in, in Genesis chapter 2. The, the video got into that a little bit. Uh, if you read it, you notice like, wow, things are in like a totally different order. You know, Genesis 1 starts out with this watery chaos. Genesis 2 starts out with, like, this dry ground and nothing growing. And, and uh, man gets created first before the animals and before a lot of this other stuff. Like, like, things are told in a different order because he's making a different point. Again, about the role that human beings get to play. That, that we are present in this world as the image of God. I mentioned that many of these other cultures would have, like, a seven-day, uh, you know, dedication for a temple. And usually on that last day, they would bring in, or near the end of that, they would bring in an image of their God and place it in their temple, right? Well, that, that happens in Genesis 1 as well. God places his image here in his temple, you and me. We get to represent God to the rest of creation, to represent his character, his goodness, to be filled with his spirit and to let the fruit of his spirit shine forth in our lives like we just watched. It's a beautiful thing. And yes... Unfortunately, we get it wrong. By the time we get to chapter 3, we have messed it up. We've chosen to define good and evil ourselves. We, we eat from the fruit of that tree. We decide that we know better than God how to do this life. But God is faithful. He's persistent in his love for us. And as we just watched, uh, eventually God, through his son Jesus Christ, uh, like God doesn't give up on the project he doesn't just say, well, I've got, I've got a friend here in town who gets sick of how we are sometimes as human beings and, and says, I wish God had just stopped at the animals, like never even created us. It could have been a paradise, you know, but he had to go and create human beings and, and wreck the whole thing. Well, God wasn't willing to give up like that. He, he knew that he wanted his image to be present here. And, and so he comes in his son, Jesus Christ. He, he, he does it right and invites us to, to not just look to Adam and Eve as our pattern, as our, you know, family, as the one that sets the pattern for our lives. But now we can look to Jesus. He can be that new human that, that defines humanity for us. And as his spirit lives in us and moves us through this world, uh, we can live a life that looks more like his. Uh, we're going to celebrate that uh, here with the celebration of communion. So let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, Thank you. For not giving up on us, uh, thank you for giving us life. Thank you for making all that is. Uh, we we are grateful for for these uh, these stories of creation here in the beginning of our Bibles that that let us know that uh, like we don't have to be afraid of the sun, the moon, the stars, or or afraid of the waters or whatever. Other cultures thought these were these were gods with powers and sometimes out to get us. But but God, we are told that this is all just part of this beautiful temple that you have created. Uh, to meet with us in. And so, God, I pray that as we uh, make our way through 2023, as we enjoy your creation in in all the different ways that uh, we get to enjoy it, from the the sledding and ice skating and stuff we get to do in the winter to the, the fun things we get to do in the spring and summer, as we enjoy this world you've given us, God, as we enjoy relationships with each other, God, I pray that you will help us to see you present here in your temple. Uh, That that we would uh, see ourselves uh, as having opportunities every single day to connect with you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the role you've given us to play. Uh, That we get to extend your good, uh, creative, life-giving work here in the world. That we get to represent you. God, I pray that you'd help us to to take our cues from you. um, To let Jesus be the pattern for us instead of doing like Adam and Eve did, instead of continuing what all of us have done and deciding that we know best uh, what is right and wrong, what's good and bad for us and for the people around us, God, I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves and to come to a place where we are willing to submit ourselves to you, to let you be the one that guides our lives, uh, to let you be the, the true king of this universe. Thank you, God. Thank you that you have not given up on any of us. Uh, all of us, God, have found ourselves in this place where we recognize that we have messed it up. We have not lived the life you created us to live. And, and every single one of us, God, your Holy Spirit has reached out to us. Just like the Spirit was hovering over those chaotic waters, your Spirit has been blowing through our lives and reaching out to us, and drawing us to yourself so that you can give our lives some, some shape, so that you can fill our lives with life, so that you can give us a, a sense of purpose and who we get to be in your world with you. So God, today we, we confess to you our need of your mercy and grace. We admit that we have often God failed to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and, and have failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. Every single one of us, God, come to you today in need of your grace and mercy. And so we are grateful for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. That because of him, the Bible says we can approach your throne of grace with confidence to find grace to, and to receive mercy to help us in our time of need. So we do that today, God. We come to you. We come to your table in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Remembering again that you did not keep your distance, but you came to us. You entered into our brokenness, and you even took it upon yourself. You took our death so that you could give us your life. Thank you, Jesus, that in your death and resurrection, you have conquered. Sin and death and the devil, they no longer need to rule over us, to hold us captive. Instead, we can live in this beautiful freedom that you have purchased for us, that you have won for us. So today, God, again, we give you ourselves and we pray that by your Spirit's work in our lives, that we might live in this freedom, experience your grace, be filled with your love so that we really can love you with all that we are, so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves. Because your Holy Spirit within us gives us the power to do that. Thank you, God. We pray all this with with hearts full of gratitude for all you have done for us in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, Doug and Mary are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. This is for all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today, Uh, all of us who recognize our need of his grace, uh, who are hungry to receive it. Uh, We've got the regular, like, little pieces of pita bread. We've got some little round gluten-free wafers. or We've got the little individual ones if you want to take one of those and take it back to your seat. and you can, uh, you can celebrate that way. Or if you just don't want to get so close to us, uh, so close to each other, uh, we've got those at the tables as well. And as we sing, you can take that and peel it back and get to the bread and, and peel it back and get to the juice. And, uh, and remember, together, uh, the amazing love that God has shown us in His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's give Him thanks. Let's celebrate today. <laughs>
1: give thing strong.
0: Thank you, God, once again, for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Please, would you fill us with the spirit of Christ today? That same spirit that was hovering over the waters of creation. Would you empower us to live lives of love, to represent you well here in this this planet that you've given to us? Thank you, God. Thank you that whatever 2023 may bring, we know that you are here. You are with us. And you are not giving up on this human project until we finally, until you finally uh, get us to that conclusion that you have for us, until you finally make all things new. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you.